special this morning. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But then things change and you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith, child. You are never alone. For the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, He'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. We talk of faith when we're up on the mountain, but the talk comes easy when life's at its best. It's down in the valley of trials and temptations. That's when faith is really put to the test. For the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, He'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. The God of the day is still God in the night. If you will, begin opening your Bibles this morning. To our text in Romans chapter 12. About two weeks ago I read a book called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. And in that book he described how a lot of Christians today are fans rather than followers. Oh, we're willing to cheer on Christ and say go for the goal, Christ. You make things happen, Christ. But we fall short when he says, follow me. And today, I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about how we are to be followers of Christ and what our service should look like according to Christ's teachings. In Romans 12, verses 1 through 3, if you will, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, Not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Bow for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to come out and study your word. Dear Lord, help me to clearly relay my message this morning that you've laid on my heart. Dear Lord, just uh, thank you for the crowd here today just coming out so desiring to hear your word. Dear Lord, just forgive us all our sins and help us to see what our reasonable service is to you. In your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. The scripture here says we should be a living sacrifice. If our service to Christ consists of one day a week, it's like taking a gulp of air once a week and thinking or hoping you will survive. As James says, faith without works is dead. Paul says, when we look at men, we are to look at their faith. Maybe our service looks dead because our faith isn't there. Reasonable service means a logical service. I did a word study on that word reasonable, and that's what I concluded is that that reasonable means logical. It means what, in terms of our perspective, what we should give. A logical service. Um, It is logical to serve God because what He has done for me. That's logical. The first point as we look at it is our faith, is it strong enough to follow God no matter what? No matter the circumstance, no matter where He's taking us, can we follow God? And... The example I gave you there is in Matthew 19, if you will, turn with me. Matthew 19:16, and it says, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth, what lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt wilt be perfect, go and sell that Thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Then verse 22, it says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here, this man has the opportunity to follow Christ. But when it's matched up with his stuff and following Christ, he chooses his stuff. 
What a shame that is. The stuff he has will be lost here on earth, but the chance he has is for eternal benefits. And he trades it for the here and now. He trades it for what his eyes can see, what's right before him. When we're not willing to follow God because of things we are refusing, when things stand in between me and you, or me and God, rather, when things are standing between us, we are refusing to admit that He's the one that gave them to us. God is the Creator of all things. He gave you everything you have so that you could serve Him more efficiently and more abundantly. This man, like so many Americans today, he was looking for his benefit, what he could get out of the deal. He was a little bit self-centered and wanting a handout. The guy had enough possessions to feed many homeless or poor, have you? But yet he chose not to. The lifestyle that he was living kept him from following after God. Now, I I know you know where I'm going there. But how many of us have a lifestyle, we enjoy too many things, and it keeps us from full-heartedly following after God? It's a tough question to answer, but let me pose this to you. At Calvary, Christ gave His life. Every bit of it. And logic tells me that by reason, if Christ gave His all for me, I should give my all to Him. Christ is looking for a willingness to give Him all of you. The next thing I want to look at is, is our faith strong enough to follow God anywhere? In Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 58, it says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus here, he has a man that says, hey, I'll go wherever you go. And you know what faith says? I'll go. But fear says, oh no. <laughs> fear says, oh, you've got no home. You've got no place to lay your head. No, no comfortable place to sleep at night. But we must realize that we've got God. And He is enough. In Psalms 23, David, practically running from his life, he says in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Why did he not fear? Why did David not fear? Because he had faith that God was with him. 
When God is with us, who can be against us? We studied that in Romans 8 a couple of nights ago. Some of us have neighbors that have never heard the gospel, yet that's out of our comfort level, so we refuse to go. We have co-workers that need the gospel, yet we don't feel comfortable talking to them. God's no, not so much concerned with our comfort level as it is with the level of willingness we give to Him. You know, Christ did not go to Calvary in a lazy boy. He went to Calvary bruised for my transgression. He carried a cross that signified my death. It's reasonable and logical to go outside of my comfort zone to give God my life and my service. Is our faith strong enough to follow God any time? And any time includes now. Luke 9.59 It says, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me explain something. Jesus is not saying, your father's dead, you can't go bury him. The man, we must realize, as I've studied many scholars on this, the man is saying, let me go home, wait till my father dies, and then bury him. He meant to go home, to wait for him to die, If his father was already dead, don't you think he would have asked Jesus to raise him? If his father was already dead, don't you think he would have been home mourning with the family? The other man says, let me go home and say goodbye. The first one could have took years. The second guy could have took minutes. But Jesus had an urgency in his breath. He said, I want you now. I want you to serve me now. Christ says, I don't need people that look behind them. The man that plows with his head, turns backwards, won't go straight. And the man or the Christian that holds on to where he is coming from won't stay the path that Christ has got laid before him. Christ wants you now. In Philippians, we see this example again in Philippians 3.13. Paul writes, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward. Paul had a lot of forgetting to do. 
He was going around massacring Christians before God called him. He had a lot of forgetting to do. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter where you're coming from, the sin that you've been in. God has an urgency to use you now. And a lot of you, a lot of us, though we want to dwell in that sin, we want to stay consumed with that walking in the darkness, but we will never be able to walk in the light if we are consumed with the darkness we're in. Paul urges us to go on. The urgency is now, can we follow Christ? Do we have faith enough to go at any time at our expense? Revelations 3 Verses 14 through 17. Many of you know this scripture. It's to the church in Laodicea. And it says, Unto the angel of the church at Laodicea, or Laodiceans, write these things. Saith, saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Christ tells them, I know your works. You're a fan. You're cheering. You're saying, yes, Lord, yes. You've got it all together in the church house, maybe. But when it goes out here, you're not following. You're just cheering. You're neither cold nor hot. You're on the fence. And Christ says, it's making me sick. It's making me sick. And you think that you are spiritually rich and, and you've got it all together. You've got all the increase that you could ever want. But spiritually you're poor, naked and miserable. That's not where Christ wants you. He wants you to follow after Him. You may think you're doing great. But God wants your life whenever, wherever, and whatever the mission. As Brother Norman comes for a hymn of invitation, I'd ask you today, have you given your life to Jesus? And if you say yes, yes, think about it this way. That includes your service, your time. He wants it all. And logically it makes sense that He deserves it all. What was conquered on the cross was enough and the grace was enough to cover all my sins. What have you done for Him lately?